right, we're studying, looking at Jacob in the book of Genesis. His marriages and his children, so on and so forth. And we know that uh, Laban and Leah pulled the fast one on Jacob, switching and the switcheroo, he thought he was going to receive Rachel and ends up marrying Leah and finds out the next morning that it's Leah. So it's creating some problems. And then he marries Rachel also. So there's a conflict in the home. Uh, polygamy always creates conflict. So when you read the Old Testament and you see these people married to more than one person at the same time, you need to understand that that is not right. It is not God's will for them to be doing this. It is accepted in that culture at that time. Uh, but just because it was accepted in the culture doesn't make it right. And so we have Jacob here. He will marry Leah, then he will marry Rachel. He will marry Bilhah, and then he will marry Zilpah. And you just got multiple marriages taking place here with great conflict, just all kinds of trouble in the home as a result of that. And so we're going to be looking at that uh, arrangement uh, this morning. So let's look at chapter 29 and verse 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Now remember, Leah's the elder sister. Rachel's the younger sister. Uh, verse 32 says, And Leah conceived and bare a son and called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again. And bear a son, and said, Behold, the Lord hath heard that I was hated. He hath therefore given me this son also, and she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again, and bare a son, and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. She conceived again, and bare a son. And she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, Am I in God's stead? who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? And she said, Behold, my maid Bilhah, go in unto her, and she shall bear upon my knees, that I may also have children by her. And she gave him Bilhah, her handmaiden, to wife. Jacob went unto her, and Bilhah conceived, and bare Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God hath judged me, and hath also heard my voice, and hath given me a son. Therefore called she his name, so on and so forth. So I think you can uh, see where this is all going. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We thank you, God, today for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Amen. 
<clears throat> you see in the lives of, of Jacob and his wives the conflict and trouble in the home of even the saints of God because of the bad decisions that they they make uh, in their life. We see that because Jacob was deceived into marrying Leah, uh, and then obviously he wanted to marry Rachel. That was the arrangement originally, that he would marry Rachel. But uh, Laban and Leah tricked him and deceived him. He ends up marrying Leah, and then he marries Rachel right after that. But the Bible says something interesting, that Rachel is barren and Leah begins to have children. Now, the Scripture says that Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah, and that's in verse 30 of chapter 29. So we see in the Bible that as we look at it, Jacob loved Rachel. That's what the Scripture says. He loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. The Lord says that Jacob hated Leah. Okay? So when we look at it, Jacob loved Rachel, but Rachel never, never one time ever told Jacob that she loved him. Not one time. So Jacob loved Rachel. Rachel really didn't love Jacob. We're going to see that in a, in a little bit. She was willing to just trade him off. We'll see that in a moment. That's Rachel. So Rachel really didn't love Jacob, but Jacob loved Rachel. Leah, on the other hand, loved Jacob, but Jacob didn't love Leah. And so this polygamous arrangement that they have with two wives, Jacob having two wives, is going to create great problems in the home. Now Jacob would live or stay with Rachel in her tent. He would not dwell or stay with Leah in her tent. Okay, so that sets it up. Now. As a result of this, the Bible tells us, verse 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So who's in control of childbirth? God is in control of childbirth, okay? So he opens the womb of Leah. Rachel at this time is barren. And the scripture says that Leah conceived, verse 32, and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. Behold a son. Behold a son. Firstborn son. That means that Reuben has the right to the birthright and the blessing in the family. Correct? So the eldest daughter has the eldest son, and so the birthright would pass to Reuben as a result of that. Now, we talked to you last week about the law of the birthright and how Jacob's going through this process of learning the law of the birthright, so on and so forth. But Leah bears that firstborn son, and the name Reuben means behold a son. In her mind, as a result of this, she says, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction, therefore my, where my husband loved me. Because I've had a son for him, now he's going to love me. See, she doesn't feel loved. She's in an unhappy marriage. She's a miserable woman. And I would say this, that that's partly her fault. It's partly, partly her fault because she was involved in deceiving this man into marrying her to begin with. You understand that? So the fact that Jacob doesn't love Leah and the fact that Jacob hates Leah uh, is partly because of her decisions in life. 
a lot of times, church, I wouldn't say every time. Some commentators, some writers will say every time. But I don't necessarily agree with that. They will say every time that there's problems in the marriage, it is normally as a result of the woman. Now, I have seen that in pastoring. I've seen that go both ways. I've seen problems in the marriage as a result of a husband not being or doing what he should do. I've seen, on the other hand, that problems in the marriage come as a result because the woman is not who she should be or what she should be in the marriage. So I don't necessarily totally agree with that uh, when the writers say if there's problems in the marriage, normally it's because of the woman. But in this case, that is the reality, I think, in some ways, because, again, she deceived the man into marrying her, tricked the man into marrying her. So, you know, if you got your eyes, if you're a man, you want to marry somebody else, and somebody tricks you into marrying the sister, you know, you'd probably have some hard feelings about that. And I think the fact that Leah went along with this plan, with this deception, uh, that it did create some hatred in Jacob and some dislike in Jacob. So she is definitely, uh, I would say, the main reason for an unhappy marriage. An unhappy marriage. You know, when you look at the Bible and you see the saints of God in the Old Testament or the saints of God in general, you will see just because they were living for the Lord doesn't mean that they always made good decisions. It, and for sure doesn't mean that they never had any problems. Because right here we have a situation where we have a woman named Leah who is, is an unhappy marriage as a result of some of her bad decisions. And so when she has that firstborn son, in her thinking she said, okay, now, I know now my husband's going to love me because I've given him a son. Behold the son, behold Reuben. He's a firstborn son. That means that he's going to be the heir. He's going to get the name. You know. And so her hopes are rising up that, that she will somehow be loved uh, by giving birth to this child. Doesn't happen. Nothing changes. All she has is a little boy now, Reuben, running around, you know, and time grows uh, a little bit. Time goes by. She's got this little boy, Reuben, running around, but she's still not loved. She's still hated. And so God blesses her once again with children. And the Bible says in verse 33, She conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, He hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. He said, God has heard my prayer. See, I'm still hated. Nothing's changed. I'm still in an unhappy marriage. Nothing's changed. So I prayed to God and God gave me another son, Simeon. God heard my prayer, but nothing has changed. And the Bible continues and the Scripture says, She conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi, which means joined. Surely at this point now she thinks, she feels in her heart that Jacob will leave the tent of Rachel and come and live with her in her tent. So with this hope in mind, 
she says, I'm going to call this son joined. Surely now I'll be joined to my husband. The Scripture tells us in verse 35, she conceives again and she has another son and uh, his name is Judah. She breaks out in praise unto God. Temporarily, I think she's left off her complaining. Temporarily, I think she's just started focusing on God uh, to the best of her ability in this very difficult situation. And she just starts praising the Lord. And you would hope that at this point that she would just trust God. That she would just keep praising the Lord and, and just trust God in the situation. I will say this. I do believe it was the will of God for Jacob to be married to Leah. In fact, I believe that Leah was more spiritually suited to Jacob than Rachel was. We will see as we continue to study in the book of Genesis, you will see that Rachel will lend herself to idolatry. So as far as being a spiritual companion, uh, I believe Leah is the one. I believe that uh, compatibility spiritually, that she was in a very better spiritual condition for Jacob than, than Rachel was. She's the firstborn. And in that culture, the firstborn should be married. You know, And I, I just think a lot of it, not only was it bad decisions on her part, but I think that Jacob also was not right with God. At this time, you know, he loves Rachel. She's beautiful. She's got a great body and everything. Um, Leah's not as beautiful as Rachel. And he's really fallen for looks. So he's really not where he needs to be as well. And I do believe it's the will of God that Jacob would, be, would have been married to Leah. But the problem is they went about it the wrong way. You see? And so this conflict that's taking place here and in their life, this unhappy marriage is really both of their faults. It is Jacob's for his carnality. It's Leah because of the way she's gone about the process of getting her husband that has created all of this. But at least at this point, she's praising God. And at least at this point, it seems that she's confident that God's going to take care of it. But she's still not loved and she's still hated. Now, the Bible says in, in uh, chapter 30, I'm going to show you uh, Rachel's attitude toward Jacob. Now, remember, Leah loves Jacob. She wants to please her husband. And when she gives birth to children, to her, it's, I'm pleasing my husband now. He's going to love me now. He's going to be joined to me now. Things are going to get better, you know, between me and my husband. And so she loved Jacob and she wanted to please her husband. But when you look at Rachel, she was beautiful, but she was a rascal. I mean, she was. And so the Bible says, you know, Rachel, she looks and she sees that her elder sister, boy, she's having one baby after another. You know, Reuben and Simeon and Levi and, and Judah. And here she is. She's barren. Amen. And in that culture, for a woman to be barren was looked at as a curse from God. Did you hear what I said? It would be looked at not just by the woman, but by everybody in that culture, everybody that knew her. They would say, this woman is the curse of God. The judgment of God is upon this woman. 
And she would go through life with that stigma of not have, not being able to give birth to children. And, and what a horrible thing is. I am cursed of God. I've got the curse of God on my head. I'm not a real woman at all. And so that's the condition that Rachel's in. And as she sees Leah, you know, giving birth to one child after another, and, and in, in a small way, pleasing her husband with children, the Bible says when Rachel saw that she was barren, that she, she bare Jacob no ch children. Look at her attitude toward Jacob. Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. She's full of jealousy. She's jealous over her elder sister. She blames Jacob for not having children. Jacob, you're the reason why I can't have any children. Jacob, you give me children or else I'm going to die. And the Bible says Jacob got angry with her. He says, I'm not God. God's the one who opens the womb. God's the one who blesses a woman with children. Jacob says, I'm not the problem here. I'm not God. I can't, you know, I've had relationships with you, but I can't make you have a baby. I'm not God. And he got angry with Rachel. Rachel's blaming him for her not having children. And, and Jacob gets angry with Rachel. This is not my problem. And I don't know really what the background is. The Jewish writers say that when Rachel goes to Jacob and says, give me children or else I die, and Jacob gets angry, Jewish writers say that her, the implication was Jacob was saying, or, or Rachel was saying to Jacob, you're not praying hard enough for me. Because if you were praying hard enough for me, if you were seeking God like you should be seeking God on my behalf, God would open my womb and I would have children. But nonetheless, she's blaming Jacob for her barrenness. Now, if you look at it, Jacob is the same man. He's having children with Leah. So the problem is not with Jacob. And I don't necessarily think that Jacob spent a lot of time in prayer for Leah. <laughs> you know, so, so if Rachel just had a little bit of common sense about her, which, sad to say, some women don't have any. And I'm not trying to put down to women, I'm just telling you, in her case, she didn't have any common sense. She could have looked at it and said, well, Jacob's pretty fertile. I mean, look, my sister's having one right after another. No problem, you know. And... I doubt that Jacob prayed much for Leah. He hated her. You know, so, so Rachel's really not thinking right. She's not thinking it through. She just got to find somebody to blame for her trouble. She got to find somebody to blame for her problems. And, and she takes it out on her husband. Hmm. Don't lift your hand. But how many of you ever been in those situations where you've got some problems in your life and you blame that man? He's the problem. And it's really not the man, it's you. You got the problem. Now don't lift your hand. I don't want to create a fight here. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it can go both ways. The man can point the finger at the wife, blame the wife, say, you're the reason why we're cursed. You know? Or the wife can point a finger at the husband and say, you're the reason why we're cursed. This is a back and forth thing, right? He's got tension and anger and hatred 
in the household. But just a little common sense on the part of Rachel would tell her that Jacob's a fertile man. The problem is not with Jacob. The problem is that God has shut up her womb. Amen. But a lot of times in marriage, you've got this. You've got the woman pointing the finger at the husband and just ripping into him, letting him have it, you know. But it's really her problem. Amen. Now, it can go both ways. I'm not picking on the ladies today. But the Bible tells us there's a lot of tension here. It's, it's you know, Jacob loves Rachel, but she's barren. And so... Rachel really doesn't care that much for Jacob. She just wants him to give her children. That's all she wants from Jacob. Just give me some babies. Give me some children. I don't care anything about you. You with me? And Leah, on the other hand, is saying, I'm having you babies, but I want you. And Rachel say, give me a baby. I could care less about you. I just want a baby. No. And it wasn't his fault. And you got this tension and this pressure in the home. And obviously, again, polygamy is creating that problem. Amen. The fussing and the fighting and the spitting on each other and the pointing the fingers and accusations and you and you. Man, back and forth. Sisters fighting with sisters. and You know what I'm saying? Wives fighting with wives. and On and on it goes. Just a huge, huge problem here. And so verse 2, Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. He said, I am, in, am I in God's stead who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? So we know God is the one that does this. We know God is the one that opens the womb. She said, here's her answer. Here's her, here's her response. Here's her way to try to fix it. Again, it's a carnal approach. It's a bad decision. You know, she's already in competition with Leah, her elder sister. Now what are you doing here, Rachel? Well, you can't have any children, so she's got a maid, and uh, this maid, Bilhah, she says, I'll tell you what, I, I want you to go and be with my husband, Jacob. Are you kidding me? You see, Rachel's just, she's really just not all there. I mean, she's already got a jealousy problem. She's already envious over Jacob and Leah, you know, having children together. She's already got that problem called jealousy. She's blaming her husband for her problem. And so she thinks the answer is to go get, get him another woman. So not only we just do we have just one other woman, now we're going to have two other women. I mean, she's, I'm sorry to say, she's wacky. You know what I mean? But again, to me, it's a sign to her, to me, that she doesn't care anything about Jacob. All she wants is children. All she wants is that stigma lifted off of her where people are thinking and looking at her that she's cursed of God because she can't have babies. That's all she sees him as. So, okay, I'll get you another woman. How sick is that? That's sick, is it not? That's sick. Get you another woman, all right? You take my maid, you marry her, she becomes your wife. And the Bible says that's exactly what he did. He took his wife Rachel's advice. Again, wrong advice. Immoral, immoral, ungodly advice from his own wife telling him, you need another woman. 
Come on, Rachel. The Bible says, now watch this. Remember, she thought Jacob was the problem. And all of a sudden, Bilhah goes in unto Jacob, and the Scripture says, and Bilhah conceived and bare Jacob a son. Wow, Jacob's not the problem. He married Bilhah. Bilhah becomes his wife. Now we got three wives for Jacob. We got Leah, Rachel, and Bilhah. Bilhah is producing children too. And when Rachel sees Bilhah conceive and give birth to this son, she calls him Dan. What is she saying? Let's read a little bit here. Verse 6, Rachel said, it wasn't Bilhah, it was Rachel that said it. God hath judged me and hath also heard my voice and hath given me a son, therefore called she his name Dan. Wow. When this child is born, not to Rachel, but to her maid that has now become the wife of Jacob, she says, God has stepped in and he's judged the situation. He's vindicated me. Let's talk so spiritual. So spiritual. Are you with me here? God's not vindicating Rachel here. But that's her perspective. That's the way she wants it to be. Because she's full of envy. She's full of jealousy. She's angry towards her husband. And she's arranged this other polygamous relationship with another woman. And Jacob has a child by him and says, Well, this is God. God stepped in on my behalf. God's vindicating me. Mm -mm. No. That's your perspective. That's the way you look at it, you know. Right? Have you ever you go through life, you know? And you make carnal decisions and wrong decisions and bad decisions and sometimes immoral decisions and something good comes out of it, something happens and you stand back and say, look, God was in it. And God was, was not in it. it. He didn't put His favor on it. He, he wasn't pleased by that. He opened the, the womb of Bilhah to have another child. But you see, Rachel saying, God's vindicating me. See, God's on my side. I know y'all don't have any conversations like this when you're in your home. When something happens, you know, y'all have a fight and uh, your wife gets in the car and drives off and she gets a flat tire and you, and you say, see, God's on my side. <laughs> or in Rachel's case, you know, the, the husband got the flat tire. So see, God's on my side. He got a flat tire. He deserves every bit of it. God's with me. Are you kidding me? See, people want to take things and they want to make it something that it's not. They, they look at things from their perspective, you know. See, God's with me. Mm -mm. No, that's what Rachel said. God didn't say that. Rachel said that. So I'm going to name him Dan, which means judgment or vindication. God has judged the situation. He stepped in and he's with me. He's on my side. Praise God. I'm feeling pretty good now, you know. Rachel still has, doesn't have any children. Have you ever been there? You have a big fight with your husband. You know, 
And then you manipulate, maneuver, and situation, and all of a sudden something bad happens. See, God's with me. He's not with you. No, He's with me. No, no, He's with me. No. Mm-hmm. Here we go. How did you get? How did you arrange that to happen to your husband? <laughs> just so long, just so you could say, "See, God's with me." <laughs> okay. Whoa! It sure is quiet in here this morning. You you didn't realize there were so many dysfunctional saints in the Bible, did you? You didn't realize they were so dysfunctional. You thought you was the only dysfunctional family. Amen. I want you to know when I read these stories, it helps me. Because I'm a married man. You know? And one philosopher, and I'm not going to tell you what, who the philosopher was, is, are you happy or are you married? Okay? And I'm not going to tell you where I got that great word of wisdom from, you know, knowledge from, but are you happy or are you married? Which one is it? So I want you to know you're looking at a married man. Am I happy or am I married? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, you know, I'm just telling you, and I'm sure my wife would, would probably be encouraged as she reads these stories, you know, of these saints who have so much dysfunction in their family. I know I'm encouraged. Are you encouraged by this? Praise the Lord. And, but I want you to see that God, God is in, right in the middle of this chaos and He's working, you know. Praise the Lord. He sees where Leah's hated. He steps in and tries to help the situation. And Leah gives birth to children, right? Amen? See, the Rachel's just fussing and fighting and Jacob back and forth and blaming and everything, you know? And then comes up with a carnal plan. Jacob has a son, Dan. Rachel says, God's vindicating me. But I want you to see this. God's not stepping out of it. He is right in the middle of this dysfunctional situation. By His grace, trying to help people. Listen, they made some decisions that got them where they are. Do you understand what your pastor's saying to you? But yet God is so good and God is so gracious that when you and I sometimes do horrible things, make very bad decisions, and, and sometimes unhappy marriages are there, that God is so good and merciful that He'll step in and He'll try to help the situation. He'll try to turn it around. That's the mercy of God. That's the grace of God. So I don't know, I don't know if you ever have such just fights and conflicts in your marriage or whatever, that sometimes when you go to the prayer room, you don't even feel like praying. Because you just feel so bad. You know, just a mess. Now I know you're angels, I see the wings coming out of your back. But, but sometimes your marriages and your family situations can see, be so horrible and such a drastic mess that when you go to the prayer room, you feel ashamed, you know. You don't even want to talk to God about it. But I want to tell you something. God cares. God cares when you have conflicts in your home. God cares when you have chaos in your home. God cares when there's dysfunction. God cares when there's fussing and fighting. and You know, hallelujah. And you're, you're in big trouble if, if you got a diva on your hands like Rachel. 
Rachel was a diva. She had a diva mentality, man. She wanted what she wanted, and she wanted it right then. And if you don't give it to her, she's going to blame you for it. Well, God help you husbands out there. You're married to divas. You know what a diva is? Diva's a demon. That's what a diva is. The world talks about these, you know, these glamorous women in the world and Hollywood and everything. They call them divas, you know. A diva's a demon. But you know what I'm talking about, divas. They got to have it every way, just exactly the way they want it, you know. Praise God. I pray to God for you, husband, today. I think it's one thing Sister Christine is not, and she's, she's not a diva. I'd hate to be married to a diva. You know, they feel they're so, they're like they're queens, and everybody's got to cater to them. I'm praying for you. Will you pray for me? <laughs> Will you women pray for Sister Christina? But, but you need to see this. As I see this, what I see really behind the story is I see God caring. Because there's one thing I know as I stand before and preach to you that every one of you have problems in marriage. Every one of you have conflicts. And every one of you, go, go maybe not exactly the same thing, but every one of you, man, can be, you can be sitting in church and clapping your hands and throwing your hands and say, God, I love you, praise the Lord. And your, your home is nothing but total chaos and confusion and battles and hatred. And, and maybe some of you today are on the verge of divorce right now. You're that close. And you haven't told me. And you don't know what to do. But look behind the story and see a God that cares. See a God trying to turn it around. See a God intervening. See God helping people, saints of God, that are in very difficult family arrangements. Are you thankful for that today? God cares. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about our families. He cares about the dysfunction that's in the home. And, you know, that we're dysfunctional. Who is functional? I know you think you are. But who in here today, who in this church service, is there any functional people I have in there? Or do you have dysfunction in your life? See, the question is not, you know, uh, is there any dysfunction in your life? The question is, is there any functional people here today? There's a, I would say all of us are dysfunctional in certain areas of our life. There are conflicts in our home. There are problems. And you're not going to talk to me about it, you know, which thank God for it. Well, some of you do. Some of you get so bad, you just have to. You know what I mean? But God is good. And God is working behind the scenes. He's working to help the situation. Praise God. There's some, there's some things that people do that are so messed up, so chaotic, and so confused. I mean, it is so drastic and so dysfunctional. Only God can turn it around. Only God can turn it around. Do you see what I'm saying? And I'm going to tell you as we study the book of Genesis all the way through, you know what? As bad as it is, church, God's going to turn it around. You know that? God's going to turn it around. You're going to see in a little bit, you know, Rachel's going to keep on trying to manipulate and trying to work things on her own. 
But God's going to step in. You're going to see in a minute. And guess what? Rachel's going to have babies. Because God's going to step in. God's already stepping in on the behalf of Leah. And before it's all over, you're going to see Jacob will say, bury me beside Leah. And he's going to throw Rachel in a hole in the side of the road. It's going to take God some time. It's going to take God some years to turn this situation around. It's that bad. But He's going to do it. How many of y'all are thankful for God's intervention? I said, I don't see how in the world God can turn this thing around or fix this, this situation or fix my marriage or fix what's going on in my life. But God, you give God time and you trust God. God will intervene. He can open wounds that are closed. He can, hallelujah, He can bring forth babies where there's no possibility of that. He can bring life where there is death. Only God can do that. But you're going to have to trust God because if you start trying to work it on your own, manipulate it on your own, taking control of it yourself, making it happen in yourself, all you're going to do is create more problems, more trouble, stack trouble on top of trouble. But behind the story, see, I'm, I'm preaching by the Holy Ghost. I've got a rhema word to tell you this morning. That means a word right now that's fitly spoken for your need. And that is behind this story of dysfunction and chaos and confusion, you see a God working. As only God can work in. And God's wisdom to bring about difficult situations and, and turn them around. And Amen. That's the kind of God we serve. So when you get to a place you don't have anywhere else to turn, you don't have, you don't know what you're going to do. It's so bad. Go to God. And when you feel so bad about it that you don't even feel like praying, pray anyway. You say, God, I'm tired of trying to turn this around myself. Who give God praise? Oh, I hear the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is talking to me. The Holy Ghost is talking to you. You know, all the fussing and the fighting and you trying to turn it around and you try to make it happen. All that's not going to get you anywhere. It's when you go to God and say, God, you're the only one that can step in and fix this dysfunctional situation. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to believe God. Maybe not be tomorrow. It might not be tomorrow. But I'm believing God if I'll give you time that you'll step in and you can turn it completely around. There can be a reversal that takes place from hatred to love. From barrenness to childbirth. From death to life. But if you put your hand in it and you try to by your own ability, logic, reason, and judgment, you try to change it yourself, you are going to hinder the process. You're only going to make it worse. And if there's something I could preach to this church that would get you to see is that stop meddling with things that don't belong to you. Stop trying by your logic, reason, and judgment to make things happen by your own abilities. You have to say, God, I'm going to put it in your hands. I'm going to trust you because, God, you're the only one that can do it. The fussing and the fighting and the dysfunctionality and me trying to fix everything and make it happen the way I want to. God, I can. I've tried it. It's not working. And I can't tell you as a pastor, can't tell you. And I, I mean, I'll go down this road too. I'll go down this road too. I'll be honest with you. But sometimes you just got to lift your hands off of it and say, I can't do nothing with it anymore. And God, if you don't step in, 
we're going to die. If you don't step in here, we're going to die. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? It can all fall apart just like that. Just like that. It can all fall apart. So you got to trust God. But I'm going to try to fix it, Rachel. So that's the approach Rachel's going to take for a little while. Now, I know you don't believe me. I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm going to stand up here like my, my mentor. My mentor used to say to us. He says he'd preach to us sometimes or teach us the Word of God. He would say, I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm just asking you to hear me. Because some of you don't believe what I'm saying to you this morning. You think that you should be the one. You know? And all you're doing is making a bigger mess. Why don't you just trust God and see what God can do? God can do more for you and I than I, we could ever do for ourselves if we would just trust God and go to God with this situation. Are you with me here? I'm talking about a man that walks with God. I'm talking about a man that's in covenant with God. I'm talking about women that have prophetic anointings on their life. Wow. Leah's name means fool. She was full of wisdom and knowledge. There was a prophetic spirit on Rachel when she said, Give me children or I die. This is quoted in the New Testament. Israel weeping. When Messiah comes, shall we weep? How will it be when He comes? When Messiah came the first time, Herod took those boy babies and bashed their head against the wall. And you could hear Rachel weeping, Israel weeping throughout Israel. When Messiah comes, shall we weep? And that very scripture that she just quoted right here is quoted in the New Testament. Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted. So there's a prophetic spirit on her. There's wisdom and knowledge in Leah. These are women and men of God that are in covenant with God that are trying to take it on themselves and only making more problems. Question for you today, when Messiah comes, shall we weep? How will it be when Messiah comes? When Messiah comes, we, should, we would think that we would be rejoicing. But when Messiah came the first time, there was weeping heard in Rachel. Weeping for her children and would not be comforted. For they are not. These are prophetesses. This is a man of God that's walking with God. He's in covenant with God. He's made vows to God. God has blessed his life. He's blessing his life financially. He's blessing his life with children. His family's growing. A lot of good things are happening. God has kept his promise just like he told Jacob he would in the previous chapter when Jacob saw that vision of the angels ascending and descending on that ladder. And Jacob entered a covenant with God, uh, made vows to God to, to put his house first, to bring his tithe, to serve God with commitment and sincerity. God has taken care of this man, but they got problems in their home. How many of y'all today know God's taking care of you? Put your hand down now, please. But you got problems in your home. But God's still working. God still cares. You believe that? He's our only hope, church. He's the only hope for my marriage. He's the only hope for your marriage. He's the only hope. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You see? I think I can make it happen. No, no, no. If God's not in your marriage, it's going to fall to pieces. 
God is the only hope that I have. So I see an awesome God, a merciful God, a gracious God behind this story. See, oftentimes when this is preached, all we do is focus on the conflict and the dysfunction in these families. And we fail to see that, look at what God is doing. God is trying to help a hateful situation. Rachel's trying to help it out. She's got that diva mentality. She don't care anything about Jacob. We're going to see this. She feels like God is on her side. God's not on Leah's side. God's not on Jacob's side right now. He's on my side. What a mess. How many of you will pray for your pastor? See, some of you don't realize the mess I have to deal with. You have no clue. Amen. Really, I have an impossible job. And I know it. Only God can do it for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Her anger, her, her jealousy, her envy, her accusation is misguided. You're going to point a finger, Rachel. You're pointing at God. Because God's the one who shut up your womb. That's what Jacob said. Jacob said, okay, I'll take this on myself and then make something happen and she feels like God is with her and that God is not with Leah now and all this, you know what I'm saying. The Bible said in Bilhah, Rachel's maid conceived again and bare Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, With great wrestling have I wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed and she called his name Naphtali. She said, I got the victory over my sister. I've been wrestling with her, you know. And so I'm going to call him Naphtali, which means the wrestlings of God. It also is connected with that understanding. She thought that God was giving her the victory over Leah. So I'll call him Naphtali. I'm prevailing now over my sister. I've got the victory over my sister now. How confused is Rachel? Rachel still isn't having any children. So now, we have some more situations, some more problems. You know why? Because Leah's going to see what her younger sister's doing. And Leah says, I have stopped giving birth to children. In her mind, she's not going to have any more children. She'll have three more. She'll have two more sons, Issachar, Zebulon, and she'll have a daughter named Dinah. But in her mind right now, she's not going to have any more children. And when she sees what her sister did, the plan that she planned and the scheming that she schemed, Leah says, I'm going to do the same thing. Because this is all about competition. This is to see who can get the upper hand on the other one. Competitions, man. The competition's on, man. So I can't have any more children. So, I'll get some help. I'll get my maid. I'll get Zilpah, my maid. And I'll give Zilpah to Jacob. And Zilpah will become his wife also. So now we got four women. Can you imagine? I almost want to say poor Jacob. Four wives? 
of y'all can handle one. And he's got four. The guy needs to go just take off. He needs to get his camel and just ride into the sunset, man. He'll stand a chance. I mean, can you imagine this conflict, this competition between Leah and Rachel? You know, now you've got three wives, and now he's going to have a fourth one because Leah says, okay, we're in competition here, so now, come on, Zilpah. Go into my husband. Get married to him. Let's have some more kids. Did I say dysfunctional? Again, carnality. Again, wrong decisions. Again, immorality. The decisions that... Listen to me carefully. The decisions that Rachel and Leah are making are pushing Jacob into immorality. Wives, you listen to your pastor. You have the capability of making decisions and being so carnal in your life. I'm not pointing to blame. I'm not going to blame you for their unfaithfulness, but I'm going to tell you that if you're not where you should be or what you should be as a woman, if you're not securing yourself enough, you, you have the ability to push that man in the arms of another woman and cause that man to be immoral. So whatever you got to do, you got to get in a prayer room and you pray until you can get secure within yourself so that you will not push Jacob into the arms of another woman. See, I'm going to just tell you this, all right? A lot of times when divorce takes place or a man leaves a woman, listen to me, when a husband leaves a woman for another woman, it is not always the man's fault. I will say it again. It is not always the man's fault. The woman used witchcraft on him to try to control him, withholding herself from him. was not securing herself enough. You understand what I'm saying? And so now he's got to go elsewhere to find... I'm just telling you, it's not always the case that a man fails because of his problem. Sometimes it was the woman he was married to that had the problem. I know you don't like it. But we see here, Rachel and Leah are putting Jacob into a situation where he does immoral things. You hear me? You need to get in a prayer room, young woman, and you need to seek God. You hear what I'm saying? And you need to listen to the complaints of your husband. If your husband's complaining about something, you need to listen to him and say, but I'm trying, Pastor, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Okay. If that man leaves and goes to be with somebody else, you're going to have to ask yourself this question. Yeah, he was wrong. Yes, he's wrong. But did you have anything to do with it? In this case, they did. Rachel had something to do with putting Jacob in the arms of Bilhah. And Leah had something to do with 
putting Jacob in the arms of Zilpah. And all it is is about competition. All it is it that they're insecure within themselves and they're fussing and fighting. You understand? So we need God, don't we? I said we need God. You need God. I need God. And Jacob, you know, he falls for it. Gets married two more times. Just a bigger mess. Children are born. Is this helping anybody? See, see, when we really get down to it, I want to tell you something. Really, the major problems in marriage are sex. Sex. You with me? And finance. Sexuality and finances are where most conflicts take place in marriage. You can fix those two things. You can work on those two things. I ask God you to help you with those two things. You're probably going to be successful in your marriage. You know what I'm saying? Sexual relationships. Communication with the husband and the wife to create intimacy not just physically but emotionally and spiritually. Do you understand? Most marital problems fall in this category. Sexual. Okay? In their case, it's, it's obviously for the sake of children, but I'm just telling you because of their insecurities, them making carnal decisions, trying to handle situations in, in the wrong way, I hope you see it that Jacob is being literally forced into immorality. That's sad, isn't it? See, on Judgment Day, there's going to be a lot of things that are uncovered. There's going to be a lot of things revealed. Okay? So we need, as a, as, as a couple, I do as a husband and my wife, and you as husbands and wives and children, all of these things, you know, we need to thank God that He's there helping us. But we also need to make some decisions in our life to not force immoral situations or put people in situations of committing immoral situations. You understand what I'm saying to you? If you do, say praise the Lord. I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm just asking you to hear me. Even Paul said it this way in Corinthians, in the, to the Corinthian church. He talked about fasting. He said, when you fast, you, you agree together you're going to fast and you're going to you know, not have intimacy for that time. But he said, you come back together. You have sexual relationships with each other. You be intimate with each other. Lest Satan take advantage of you. He said the devil will step right in the middle of your marriage and destroy it. If that is not maintained. You understand? Okay. To the husbands, the natural use of the woman. You don't ask her to do things that are not that are outside of the natural use of the woman. You don't do that. That that gets you you get into an unclean situation in sexual relationships. As long as it doesn't violate that passage where it says where it talks about the natural use of the woman. 
you're fine. In, in your relationships with each other, you're fine to have those relationships. And, and you know what I'm saying? But you don't cross that line without the natural use of a woman. There's a natural use. If you husbands are asking them to do things that are not natural, you need to stop doing that. You understand? I know I have a feeling somebody going, well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, <laughs> I'm not going to draw you pictures. You know what it means. Okay? But this is an area we need to work on. I'm spending some time on this in the Holy Ghost because we need to work on this, man. You hear what I'm saying? Somebody say, praise the Lord. I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm just asking you to hear. It goes both ways. So the woman needs to find a security within herself, but let the man help her. And, and so on and so forth. I mean, we could go on and on and on about this. In some cases, the woman's screaming. The woman's screaming. I want a relationship with my husband. That's what Leah will do. In some cases, like Leah, I want him. Other cases, like Rachel, I don't want him. Just all kinds of different scenarios. One, you know, a woman that wants her husband and a woman that don't want her husband, so on and so forth. It's all in the story. Uh oh. Are you doing all right out there? You're just getting. I see you start breathing when I preach like this. You hold your breath. You go. You better breathe. Like Brother Dice used to say, you better breathe you're going to die. Take a deep breath, everybody. There you go. Yeah. See, that don't feel, don't it? It feels good to have breath in your lungs. <laughs> but you see, in Jacob's case, it was his women that were counseling him and advising him and putting him in the arms of other women. Crazy, man. Just so long they could, you know, Get their satisfaction. This is touching. This is touching home. Amen. I love you. You know. You know. You. There's something. Don't ever preach, Mr. Minister Lemons. Don't ever preach in the church. Don't ever preach on sexuality. Don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. I'm just kidding. You know. You're not supposed to preach on sexuality. You're not supposed to preach on money. That's what they say. I don't agree. It's in the Bible. You just read the story. You see all this happening. Do you, what if it was you? Put yourself in the story. What if you were making these decisions and doing these things and, and causing your husband to do immoral things or advising him to do immoral things? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You know? And then it's crazy. Some of you come to church and you're because you're all messed up and your home's all messed up. You want to take it out on your pastor. You want to take it out on the church. You want to take it out on God. What's wrong with you? I didn't create your problem. Amen? I'm trying to help you. God wants to help you. He's behind the scenes. You might not see Him right now, but He's behind the scenes right now trying to help your marriage. Trying to help mine. Amen? Breathing? Are you breathing? 
Take another breath. Man, that's good. I'm glad to see you breathe, man. Brother Jerry, you better breathe. Hallelujah. It get, I'm going to tell you, this story only gets more interesting. Okay, so let's read a little bit more. Y'all want to read a little bit more? Yeah, this, this is really, it gets more interesting as we go. You talk about a soap opera. <laughs> I mean, this, 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 I don't watch those crazy things, you know. But this is what you see on the days of our lives or as the world spins or... You know what I mean? I know. You, that, that's what you go to see. Uh, and those soap operas is what I'm preaching to you right now. They, they, their life was a soap opera, man. You know? So now we see Leah takes on the same approach and gives Zilpah her maid in verse 9, gave it to Jacob to wife. Zilpah Leah's maid bear Jacob a son. And Leah said, A troop cometh. And she called his name Gad. Well, she's pretty much right. And she got an army on her hands, man. You know? It's amazing. So we call him Gad. Some translators translate it good fortune. See, I'm 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 having some good fortune right now. We don't believe in fortune. Fortune is the devil. You had good fortune. No, I don't have good fortune. Fortune's another name for the devil. I have God who blesses me. You have good luck. No, I don't, I'm not connected to luck or Lucy or Lucifer. I'm connected to God. You're having good luck. You're having good fortune. No, that's all demonic. I'm blessed of God. I don't have luck. I don't have fortune. But that's, you know, in her mind, okay, it's Gad, good fortune. Hmm. can also be translated troop. Look at all these kids I got running around here, you know. Amen. Some of y'all have a few. You could probably call your household gad. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. It's all right. You got your quiver full. You're blessed of God. In verse 13, the Bible says after verse 12 that Zilpah had another child and, and named that child, uh, they're going to name that child Asher because Leah said, now I'm going to be happy. Look at this, verse 13. Leah said, happy am I for the, for the daughters will call me blessed and she called his name Asher. Happy. I'm happy now. Zilpah, Gave Zilpah to my husband. He's got a fourth wife on his hand. And Zilpah gave birth to Gad and now gave birth to another one. And it's Asher. And she says, I'm happy now. No, she's not. She know how I'm still not happy. Happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. Forget it. The reason why she's happy about having another child is because of what people are going to think about her. 
everybody's going to look at me and say, I'm blessed. So you name your child happy because you're going to get the approval of people? See, do you see, a, do you see a pattern in Leah's life? She's fighting so hard and having one child after another child and Zilpah, her maid, is now having children, trying to find approval, get the approval, the affection, the love from Jacob and having another, and is through Zilpah, another one, also she can get people's respect. At this point, she thinks she's done having children. Oh, this story gets interesting. Did I tell you more interesting? So Reuben goes out in the field during the wheat harvest in the next verse. Reuben went into the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes, love apples. Love apples. That's what they are. Mandrakes or love apples. In fact, the Hebrew word that is translated mandrake in the English is connected to the word love. So Reuben, Leah's firstborn, is out there during the time of wheat harvest and he comes across these love apples, these mandrakes as the King James translates it. Now, why would you gather love apples? Well, remember Leah there's something going on with her eyes. Remember the Bible says she's tender-eyed? Remember when we talked about it when Jacob saw her that morning they looked into each other's eyes and he said, I'm confused. And she said, I'm confused. And they said, we're confused. And that was a reflection of Jacob's soul. <laughs> anyway, hallelujah. <laughs> so Reuben's out there Maybe I can help mama. You know, my daddy don't love her. And they're having all these troubles and all these problems in the home. And maybe I can help mama out. So the firstborn son goes, they find these mandrakes because mandrakes are supposed to be good for the eyes. It's supposed to be like medicine for the eyes. And not only that, but they're supposed to be a good aphrodisiac. Y'all know what aphrodisiacs are? Did y'all know that was in the Bible? <laughs> Aphrodisiac is supposed to stimulate the husband. It's supposed to help the woman with pregnancy. Okay? So, if you know, if there's a problem with intimacy in the relationship, go get you some mandrakes. The husband, if he's got a problem with it, stimulate him. If the woman can't have children, give, you know, the mandrakes will help her have a, get pregnant. Hallelujah. You didn't know that's in the Bible, did you? So Reuben's out there trying to help Mama out. He finds these mandrakes. These are helping Mama's eyes. Mama's eyes will be pretty. They won't be so dull anymore. They'll start sparkling and shining. It gets more interesting. These love apples. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> you almost see it coming, don't you? He brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. <laughs> See, I can't have children, and they're supposed to be medicinal to help me get pregnant. 
You know what I'm saying? So give me thy son's mandrakes. I want these aphrodisiacs. Aphrodisiacs. You'd be surprised how many people, how much money is spent on aphrodisiacs. Well, here, here's Leah again. Remember, Leah loves Jacob. Leah wants Jacob. Rachel could care less. So Rachel says, give me thy son's mandrakes. Okay, well, here's what Leah does with this. Verse 15, she said unto her, Is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? You took my husband away from me. See, he's, he's living in the tent with Rachel. He doesn't live in the tent with Leah. You've taken my husband away. Wouldest thou take away my son's mandrakes also, said Leah. said, You've already taken my husband, now you want my son's mandrakes. Okay. And Rachel said, okay, let's read it. Rachel said, therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. Right? So I'll make a deal with you. You want him, I could care less. Okay? So you can have him. I'll trade him off for the mandrakes. Well, you talk about you talk about Jacob feeling love. See, he loves Rachel. And Rachel said, I care less. I don't care if I sleep with him or not. I just want the mandrakes because I need to get pregnant. Just give me the mandrakes and you can have the man. You understand what I'm saying? She could care less about sleeping with Jacob. She just wants to get pregnant. She'd trade him off. Poor Jacob, she'd trade him off for a, a bunch of mandrakes. Amen? A root. A root that's supposed to make you get help you get pregnant. Just to trade the man off. I don't need the man, just give me a mandrake. It's a mess. So he says, Leah says, good deal. I'll take that deal. Because I want him. Okay? So Rachel's really trade him off and Leah's willing to buy him. I'll buy him for the mandrakes. Rachel says, you can have him. I just want the mandrakes. I don't care anything about sleeping with him. You want him that bad? You can have him. Brother Jared going to sleep. That don't mean nothing to him. <laughs> it don't mean one thing to him. He's going to sleep. You just wait. You just wait. Amen. You know Leah. You already see all the kids she has. Man, she wants him. She wants to sleep with him. Rachel could care less. Trade him off. Are you here? So, you know what the Jewish writers say about this? And this I don't tell you everything the Jewish writers say, but it's interesting sometimes to read what they say. 
They say because, because Rachel did not enjoy laying beside Jacob in the bed. That's one of the reasons why she did not lay beside him in death. Because remember, Jacob, when he's buried, he's going to be buried by Leah, not Rachel. And they said one of the reasons is because in life she didn't want to lay next to him. In death she did not lay next to him. Here we go, verse 16. Jacob came out of the field in the evening. Leah! I mean, this is really not a good situation because it can almost be immoral for Leah to go out in public like this. But she is so... I'm not going... The word comes to me, but I'm not going to use it. I mean, you know, she wants it so bad. Let me put it to you that way. She go chasing down into the field. You belong to me tonight, sir. I bought you. Come on in here. <laughs> Praise the Lord, man. <laughs> and maybe Rachel did need some help here. Maybe Rachel did need an aphrodisiac, something to stimulate her, get her going. But Leah didn't have no problem with that. I'm glad the children aren't in here. <laughs> I'm just being real with you, man. It's in the Bible. So she runs out there. Amen. Leah went out to meet him and said, Thou must come in unto me. <laughs> For surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. I mean, just, it's amazing. Hallelujah. You know what we need to do? We need to fly to Israel and find some mandrakes, don't we? We need to fly over there somewhere. We're going to do a wheat harvest and during the wheat harvest. We need to find out when the wheat harvest is over there and catch a plane. And bring them back over to the United States. We'll become millionaires. We're selling mandrakes. You know what I mean? How many of y'all want to go in the mandrake business? Now, some of this stuff they, they buy. You need to look on the bottle and see. Does it say mandrake? If it don't say mandrake, don't buy it. <laughs> now, you, I'm not embellishing the story, man. I'm just telling it just like the Bible says it. God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. She thought she wasn't going to bear anymore, but now she's bearing. But she didn't have mandrakes to help her. Which means it's all false. It's all false. God is the one that opened her womb, not the mandrake. She didn't need the mandrake. So, fifth son's born, and Leah said, God hath given me my hire. Some would call him Issachar. 
my hire. Wow. And hire. God hath given me my hire. You see what she's saying? God's paying me off for what I've done. God's compensating me for what I did. Really? And I know God opened your womb and you're going to have another child, but is that why you're having another child? Because God is compensating you? For, you understand? That's her perspective. That God's compensating her. Verse 19, Leah conceived again and bare Jacob a sixth son. We'll call him Zebulun because now, finally after so long, my husband will leave Rachel's tent and come live with me. Zebulun means to dwell. I believe now he's going to dwell with me. Another son. Six son. Leah said, God hath endued with me, me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. Don't you know by now, Leah, that you can't buy love? All these children you've had for Jacob. And now look at this one, the sixth one. And, and then Zilpah had two. And you think that all of these things you're giving him is going to buy his love. Don't you know you can't buy love? Church, look at, look at me. Listen to me. I'm coming to a close. I'm not going any further. Okay? Then this, 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 this scenario here. But you can't buy love. You're trying to buy your children's love. You can't buy their love. You're trying to buy your husband's love or your wife's love. You can't buy love. And that's what Leah did. Only, only will we see after God begins to work with Jacob's heart does Jacob finally say after he throws Rachel uh, in the hole on the side of the road as she gives birth to Benoni or Benjamin. Only then does he, when he gets close, when the time of death comes for him, he says, bury me with Leah. It's only when he gets right with God that he begins to love her. It's not because she could buy for him or produce for him. It's only because God touched his heart to love her. You can't buy love. Verse 21 says, After that she bare a daughter and called her name Dinah. And Dinah was nothing but trouble. You'll see it later on in the book of Genesis. She was nothing but trouble. You know why she was trouble? Because she loved to run with the girls in the world. And because she loved to run with the girls in the world, she created huge problems for this family. Total of twelve sons and one daughter. One daughter will be born to Jacob, and Dinah was the, the nightmare of his life. God help us all.
Raise your children the best you possibly can. End up with a diner. God remembered Rachel. Oh, God's going to do it for her. Remember I told you God behind the scenes? God remembered Rachel. That's awesome to me. When the Bible says God remembered Rachel, you know what that's saying? It, they're talking to you about the passion of God. God's got a passion. God's behind the scene. Now remember, God's behind the scene working with these situations. And God has such a passion for Rachel. Even the way she's been acting. He remembers her. He's got a passion for her. And by grace, He's going to intervene. Her prayer is heard. The passion of God. God hears the prayer. He opens her womb. But if you want to, if it helps you, put a P in front of each one of them. The passion of God. The prayer answered. And the power of God. His passion causes him to remember Rachel. The prayer she prayed was heard. And he comes in power. It wasn't the mandrakes that she bought from Leah that did it. That's what the Bible is trying to show you. The mandrake did not cause Rachel to get pregnant. The Bible showing you who caused Rachel to get pregnant is God. That the mandrakes were a false remedy. The mandrakes didn't do it. It was God, the Bible says. God's the one by His power that opened the womb, the barren womb. How many women have gone to the doctor and the doctor said, you will never have children. And what did God do? He stepped in miraculously and caused that woman to be with child. It was God's power that did it. It was as a result of answered prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know personally people that the doctor told them, you'll never have children. They have children today. Because God stepped in, opened their womb. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. She didn't deserve it. It was mercy, it was grace, it was God's passion for her. It's God behind the scenes. Here's her prayer, opens her womb, not the mandrake. She conceived and bare a son and said, God had taken away my reproach. Now I can be a real woman. I've had children. The curse is off of me. I can be respected by other people. And now, I'll not be looked at as a woman cursed of God. God's lifted that reproach off of me. She called His name Joseph. Hallelujah. What a good God. I said, what a good God. Can I put it to you this way? Joseph was the best out of every one of them. He was the best of the twelve. In fact, 14 chapters out of the 16 chapters that will remain in the book of Genesis. You with me here? As we flow through the book, 14 of the last 16 chapters of the book of Genesis is devoted to Joseph. He was the best out of all of them. She just had to wait on God. She should have trusted God. She shouldn't have tried to manipulate it. All the jealousy, fuss and fight and spit and all that was going on, it didn't do anything. It was God. Only God can step in by His supernatural power and turn that around. Only God could do it. And when He did it, He did it good. He gave her a Joseph. 
the one who will receive the coat of many colors. That means, are y'all with me? We'll get to that. But Are y'all hearing this? Beautiful what God does. How many of y'all trust the Lord? How many of y'all believe God? Coming to a close. I need Him this morning. Called his name Joseph, said, The Lord shall add to me another son. <laughs> so she's prophesying here. He's already got one. He says, I'm going to call him Joseph because he's going to give me another one. This never satisfied. Rachel, never satisfied. Got one in the arm. Is it? Well, I'm, God's going to give me another one. Maybe she was speaking by faith. Maybe she was speaking prophetically. It did come to pass. But when she gave birth to that other son, she died in the process. In childbirth, she went into hard labor on the back of that wagon as they were traveling to Bethlehem, Ephrathah. You'll see it later. She goes into hard labor. She dies giving birth to that next son that it would be added to her. And Jacob lifts up that eight pounds of wet flesh before God as her husband, as her Rachel, as his Rachel dies and says, I'm going to call him Benoni, which means the son of my sorrow. No, Jacob, you're not going to call him the son of your sorrow. You're going to call him Benjamin, the son of power, the son of my right hand. You wept when she came in your life. You weep when she leaves your life. Yes, you will have another son just like you said you would, but you will die when you do. It was a time of joy in Rachel's life. God has stepped in. God has helped her. Are you thankful for God doing that for you? Come on, can you see the invisible hand of God in your life? Stepping into your life, helping you, saving you, delivering you. Came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away that I may go unto my own place and to my country. And we'll stop there. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we thank You right now, God, as we read these stories and we see You behind the scenes working even in these. We thank You, Lord, today as a church family that You're involved behind the scenes by grace and by mercy to heal, to reconcile, to deliver, to save families that are in trouble even families that have got there by their own decisions. I'm thankful, Lord, today that You don't throw up Your hands. But in very, very difficult situations, You are at work. And Lord, I just pray over this church, the marriages, the families. They're going through difficult times right now, battles. I pray for unsaved spouses to be saved and delivered. I pray for families to be healed and strengthened. 
I pray for marriages to be renewed. As only you can, God. If you could do it for this family, you could do it for us. We leave here with hope. We leave here with trust. We leave here in faith. Knowing God, if we trust you, that you're working. Thank you for helping us. We need you today, Lord. Thank you for moving in a mighty way. Bringing life out of death. Opening dead situations. Restoring. Birthing. Reproducing. Lord, and when your church goes through times of barrenness, Let us arise and shine for our light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon us. And there will be more children for the desolate than the married woman. We thank you right now, God, for your mercy, your prophetic word that rests upon this church. Thank you for your anointing, your power, your presence. Rest upon this church, upon this people, upon these families to do great and mighty works. When the world sees us, they will know only God could have done that. Despite all of our manipulations and all of our wars, we thank you today for your divine intervention. We put it in your hands. We trust you with the outcome. And we take our hands off of it, Lord. And I will only get involved as you direct. We know you can do anything. In Jesus' name we pray. Close in prayer. I feel right now some of you are in trouble. <laughs>